Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. Chicken hats. Mm. You sold it. You, you are. You, you developed and designed a chicken hat for the Accidental Tech Podcast. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell the story of this? I mean, sure. An abridged version? I- I'm expecting there's maybe a bit of overlap, but I don't know how much. Yeah, we can uh, we can also link to the little blog post I wrote in the show notes. Yes. But uh, yes, there's a podcast, Accidental Tech Podcast. I'm sh- I I'd imagine almost all these listeners, all, all our listeners, know what that show is. But last year, uh, John was talking about this winter hat that he loves, and um, he called it a chicken hat. Because the way it's shaped, the way it's cut and sewn, it kind of looks like uh, the comb, like the kind of mohawky, fleshy part of a chicken. It kind of lo- it has some extra fabric. It kind of looks like that a little bit when you wear it on your head. It's not cut like a traditional beanie. It has a different construction. And on the show, he was lamenting that they... He he ha, he's had this hat for like twenty years. He has no idea where it came from. He thinks his dad gave it to him at some point, and he can never. He's like worried he's going to lose it and then not have a replacement because they don't make it anymore. They don't make a hat with that kind of fabric and with this kind of construction, really. And so he was just like every time I go to you know winter clothing stores, I'll like walk around and look at the hats and none of them are acceptable. And then I just move on clinging to my single winter hat that I hope I never lose. And so I just had the idea, like it would, they, you know, they have like a merch store and stuff every year where they sell t-shirts and stuff. And they've actually sold beanies in the past. I thought it would be fun to do a facsimile reconstruction of John's winter hat you know, as a, a merch item in their store. So I, uh, I pitched the, the, uh, idea to John and he was down and, um, and then we did it and, uh, and it's in their so- store and it sold out immediately because everyone wanted one. Well, how, how did you actually make this though? Like, how did you go about yeah. sourcing y- yeah, this so, product? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a little bit of a story because we, when I initially pitched it, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be really easy because even though we don't really do textile stuff, we do have a supplier that we had that made uh, the Lewis bags for the, uh, the neat ice kit. And so in my head, I was thinking, oh, cool, like we already know them, we've worked with them before we we can just have them make this hat like it's a pretty honestly like a lewis bag and a hat are not that dissimilar in terms of how they're constructed and so that was the plan and i kind of uh pitched it to them assuming that's what was going to happen and then as, as soon as we got the okay i reached out to them and they're just like oh yeah we can't make this <laughs> they had kind of uh shifted their business where they don't really do custom construction anymore so we could have them make a beanie because they're kind of set up 
to do that process um, for that specific hat shape. And then you can choose like uh, the fabric color and like an embroidery and stuff, but you can't do an actual new construction. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's not gonna work and so i was that's uh, the whole point <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah it's like you can't just make a beanie that's that's not what this is um once again proving there is no such thing as simple product yeah, development it, exactly right? i thought it was going to be so simple and uh never felt... why do we ever think it will be when it literally never <laughs> well, is I, this was relatively simple the other challenge was we had to find this fabric that may or may not exist anymore. And we had some pretty decent clues. Um, and so I ended up like ordering all kinds of uh, fleece samples and trying to decipher like which one's the thickest, the fullest, et cetera, et cetera. And we never actually got to one that's the same, but we got to one that's like the thickest that exists, uh, it seems, in the world. Um, so it was, you know, that was another piece of this it took us a it took us a little bit to make sure like okay we can do this without it being like a complete nightmare because yeah like you said we knew although it, we knew it would probably be pretty simple we didn't really know and we didn't want to like really commit to everything and then have it be difficult um but you know the nice thing about like like sewn stuff like this is um it's pretty, there's not like crazy high tolerances required. So like you, it's not like you need to have these like super specific measurements and everything all super perfect because it's a little bit like stretchy and smudgy anyway. So luckily, uh, it was pretty easy to like get a supplier on board. We didn't have like super high, high requirements once we kind of got things figured out. Um, but- yeah, yeah. And the key... Uh- and actually, shout out to uh, our, our buddy Stefan for the key that unlocked it. So I was like kind of frantically Googling around. It's like, how do I find a supplier? Like, what should I be searching for? And it was like textile manufacturing, like custom hats. Like, you know, what do I search for? And the key that unlocked it is a cut and sew manufacturing. Like, that is the phrase uh, that you want to be searching for, for this type of thing where you're basically giving them a custom pattern and they're cutting and sewing it. It's, it's what it says on the tin. And so once I learned that phrase, then it became easier to, uh, to cut. That was the key. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I was able to ultimately find someone to do it for us. By the way, that's how it always works. Usually I'm the one like doing this process of like Googling around, trying to like figure out what the thing the process is yeah. called that we want yeah. and it, it really is it's like as soon as you find the jargon it's you're done it's like oh okay now there's all these options but you're just you could be hunting around it for a long time trying to figure out like what this process is called and then you just somehow find the actual phrase and then it's like oh okay here's all the suppliers and it's so weird that it it's like that and the other thing that's so strange to me i don't know if you had this experience dan is often when you call these suppliers they'll be like oh, how did you find us? How did you hear about us? And, you know, my answer is always like, oh, Google. Like, I just searched. And they're always like, really? <laughs> like, they're always shocked that, like, Google was the way. <laughs> because I That think, worked? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, no, that's the thing. They're not designing for that. There's no SEO because they, like, it's all, people don't do what we do usually where it's like, oh, let's skip around different supply chains and do new stuff all the time. And so they're, they're embedded in a supply chain 
And so they don't need to like Google to find suppliers. Like they either like develop them the connections or whatever. And so it's just all these places have websites, but they're often like definitely not like SEO optimized. So it is kind of hard to find. They're like like right under your nose all the time and you don't know it. And then you find the right like combination of words and then it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this stuff as well, it's like the, the words aren't necessarily what you would naturally assume them to be. Right. No. Mm-hmm. Like, so you yeah. have it's jargon. You really have to help find someone who can help you. That which is kind of frustrating that it needs to be that way a lot of the time. But that does tend to be the way that it is, right? Like you have a word yeah. you're looking for that will help you find these people, but it is not obvious <laughs> what that <laughs> word will be. No, no, yeah. and it goes. It's like all it's that all the way down too, because even like with materials or process, like plating processes yeah. or or like finishing. I mean, it's just. It's all jargon. It's all yep. like things you would never know. It's like the, my, the one that I always, rem- it always is top of mind for me is that like staples are called stitches. Yeah. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. Why? Like, why? Why? <laughs> why? why? <laughs> yeah. Right. Because then that becomes a problem when you're looking for the textiles part, right? You can't use the word yeah. stitching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. to help yeah. you find what you're looking for which would be yeah. maybe something you would think about. <laughs> no, it's cut and sew. Okay, cut and sew. Yeah. Huh. Is this, uh, I mean, obviously we work together and we continue to work together on co- collabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to, and now you've got this with ATP, is mm-hmm. this something you think you might do more, like collabs and stuff like that? I know that you've, um, did we, I think we spoke about this on the show already. Yeah, we did, about like the idea of custom Mark 1s, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you do you see this as a potential avenue for Studio Neat, or is this just like we're just helping our friends out with some stuff? Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. That is kind of our prerogative these days: is how can we grow our audience, or uh, you know, help people find us or find out about us? I feel like there's been a long period for us where we're just we're kind of a little bit stagnant like we're just kind of speaking to the same audience yep. over and over again and that's great because we love our audience and they sustain us and support us mm-hmm. and are like willing to buy new things we put out and it's awesome but we know there's you know people that don't know about us that might love us too and they need to find out about us somehow and so there are many ways to go about doing that but we think collaborations are a good uh a good kind of first stab at that and just because they're fun and you get to work with your friends but you get to kind of branch out and create these kind of overlapping venn diagrams like we talked about where it's like oh this makes sense for these people to be working together and uh there's a lot of like similar you know design sensibility or taste or whatever and you can kind of expand from there and i think it makes a lot of sense for us yeah i I think, but though, there are kind of two buckets of that. I mean, it's either got to be a really, really simple product that we we kind of know how to do already a little bit, or, um, yeah, it's like customizing something we do, we do, because I don't think we're ready to, like, embark on a year-long process of product development with another, you know, collaborator. Although, right. I think we could be into it with the right opportunity. Depends but. what it is, right? <clears throat> yeah, it depends yeah. what it is. And and there's just so the way we're used to working it's it's often such an exploration 
uh, from the beginning and things can really change or sometimes they just get canceled or sometimes, you know, and so that could be a, you would have really have to have the right kind of collaborator to embark on a really long term product like that. Um, but, but things where the scope is pretty tight and we can like know kind of what the scope is from the get go, then yeah, it, it's fun. I mean, it's fun for us. It, uh, we, we really like it. And particularly with the Mark one, like we've been doing our own limited editions, but we're interested in doing some limited editions with other brands. Um, because I think it asked, it just, it's kind of a different space in terms of like how much branding and story can be attached to it. And so, yeah, we're, we're definitely, um, it's awesome that we have some products where that makes sense. I mean, like with the glyph that probably would never make, wouldn't ever make, wouldn't make sense. Right. But for like mm-hmm. the Mark one or pins or notebooks, it's like that can make perfect sense. So mm. that's fun that we're, we're in that space. This is actually a pretty nice segue, I think, into something you're working on, Tom, that I saw today uh, is coaching. <laughs> to co- yeah. Co- product coaching. Product coaching. Uh, Product coaching. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, I think it was like, I don't know, like four months, four or five months ago or something. Um, something just came up. I think it was my wife, Casey, actually was like, you should consider coaching. And at first I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want to do that. And then I, you know, started to really kind of remember how much I loved um, just like talking to people and giving advice and encouraging them when it comes to like designing things or thinking through business problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I have a decent amount of experience doing that. Like I taught some graduate courses at NYU and, you know, Dan and I have always been really open about just product development and how we do it and giving advice to people. And like the most recently, the mentorship program we've been doing at Studio Neat. And I, after those conversations, I'm always like super energized. Like I love that. And I realized that I really have a lot of space, like mental space right now for not um, like execution type of work, but more like advice, advising, mentorship kind of uh, work. So, you know, like all of the like studio neat for me day to day is like so execution heavy. It's like, okay, we got to do this. And it's like, I have to be executing and it's very in the weeds. It's very practical. And um, I've just really felt that I wanted to be a little bit more in the space where I could be giving advice to people where, you know, I'm in that kind of idea space. And so I kind of sat with that for a while because it was, it was a, it's a kind of a brand new thing for me. I think my identity has been wrapped up in Studio Neat for like over a decade. And so for me to kind of step out on my own again was really kind of like a trip in terms of just thinking about like, okay, what does this mean? Like, what's the storytelling? What do I want this to be? And so for the past past couple months, I've been trying to figure out like, what is this? What should it be? And um, I finally kind of settled on um, starting a little like consulting coaching practice where I help people make their first physical product, basically. Mm -hmm. So it could be like a like a solo individual or like a team or at a startup or something. And they just want someone to help them walk through the entire product development process. Because I realized like, wow, I've done this like a ton of times, like from sketching ideation all the way to like fulfilling it. I don't have like deep expertise necessarily on any one thing. It's not like I'm a PCB engineer and that's all I do every day, but I have a very like horizontal view over 
like how you bring a product into the world. And so um, at first I was kind of more like gen- thinking more generally, um, but I got a lot of feedback from people being like, you just need to be more and more specific. And so, um, yeah, that's the kind of pitch in a way. Uh, and I redid my personal website and like took a headshot and really have kind of like re <laughs> took a stab at like branding again, personally. Um, nice website. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks. And so, you know, for me, you know, there's obviously this kind of like awkward, you know, situation between Dan and I where it's like, well, wait, what does this mean for studio need? And like, mm-hmm. uh, and I've had to think about that a lot because it is this kind of like question of like, wait, what does this oh, mean? No. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> this is the but end. the thing that I've realized <laughs> is that it's such a different kind of work for me, like this kind of idea conversational space rather than like get the drawing to the yeah. manufacturer and coordinate with them yeah. that it actually charge like charges me up um to do that kind of work and so you know for me it will be a couple clients um not like a like a ton of people it's definitely not like becoming my new career it's just like a thing i'm starting on the side um and so yeah i mean i'm excited about it it's definitely nerve-wracking because i you know it's like I haven't hung my shingle out for something new in a really like, and like I said, like over a decade. So it's yeah. kind of like, what's going to happen? But, um, but yeah, so I'm excited about it. I mean, it's been a, it's definitely been being in that space of thinking about like image branding again and storytelling um, is, is all new. I haven't done that in a long time. And so that, that's good. It feels good to be there. And um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, so if anyone out there is interested in, uh, you know, really getting serious about making like a physical product and going for it. Um, the best thing to go, which is like tomgerhart.com, you can see. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, the details on some of that stuff could change as we go. Uh, so we'll see. It's an evolving thing, but uh, I'm excited. It'll be, be fun. Yeah. I mean, I'll give a, a personal recommendation here. And this is like obviously for the both of you, but you can, you know, you can take this and run with it, Tom. It's up to you. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> you know, obviously, my journey through product development has been tied with working with the two of you and you've been nothing but helpful and supportive and have guided me to actually being able to do stuff and have confidence in doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, cause that's so much of it is like, I found it's like having someone who can give you confidence. It's like what we were talking about earlier, just getting that key to unlock it, right? Having the confidence to be able to then go to a company and tell them like, all right, this is my design. How are we going to manufacture this? So much of it takes confidence and that confidence comes from knowledge. And Yeah, yeah. well, thank you. you yeah. I think being a cheerleader is like almost all the battle, honestly, yep. with this. Yep. I mean, it's like it's like helping people think through problems, really define like what it is they're trying to make like what's the value there and then it is a i think it is gonna it's like a lot of management of just like here's what you should do next i know you can do it kind of like cheerleading and um and i i I mean just realizing that 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 for me it's i think for dan and i both it's felt so natural because we walked into this slowly over the past 12 years um and sometimes it's difficult for me to remember what it felt like to be starting out again and that's kind of what i had to do to like get in the headspace of like writing the copy for this website where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, what is it like if you're like either someone who's never done something like this or even like a company that's never made a physical product, but they make some other, something else. Um, 
And so, yeah, it was, it really actually gave me a lot of confidence. I was like, actually, I do know, like, I'm really good at this. Like, I know a lot about this, which is also a, a pretty uncomfortable thing for me to do as well. But that's the feedback I kept getting when I was like writing this copy. People need yeah. to be like, you need to like brag more, basically. And I was like, oh, okay. It's so hard to do that kind of stuff. Though. Yeah, it is. It is. So, so yeah, it's, it's still, like I said, it's all very like, I keep using, I found myself using that, um, like what's that emoji with like the gritted teeth? Grimacing. You know, the, like, it's one of my uh, favorites. Yeah, grimacing. grimacing I keep. I've been yeah. using that emoji a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chatting with people where it's like, uh, but uh, it feels good. It feels good to be kind of uh, in that space again, where it's like un- unclear about what's going on and and kind of having to search around for what I think about this and forming ideas. So, so thank you for that, Mike, and and thank everyone out there who might be listening who's kind of giving me feedback on this. It's definitely been. It took way longer than I thought to kind of settle on being clear. And it, I ended up with the, oh, yeah, no duh, that's what I should be doing. But it, it took me a while to get there. So it's been good. So, yeah, we've been really busy just in general with getting a lot of stuff out the door and with the holidays coming up. And I don't know, Dan, how, how long ago did we decide that we were going to do basically like a starter kit gift box for the holidays as a kind of a holiday promotion and a test for this idea of what would it look like to bundle some several of our products together? Because we realized like, oh, we really do kind of have a product line now that makes sense together. And so I think what first came was this idea that we would package together a Mark One, a wood pin tray, and some tote books like in one little box as like a gift for people that they could, you know, give for the holidays. But then we were like, okay, well, how could we like make that better or like more delightful? And we decided that we we're actually gonna like wrap them with like real wrapping paper and like a bow and a handwritten tag as oh well. So we're really like going for this could that's be like, optional. You don't that's have optional, to do that. but it could oh, be like oh, a really nice gift. <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of gearing up to launch this starter uh like the starter kit like studio need starter kit gift box thing for um for cyber monday and then you know we will be like hand wrapping them <laughs> in the studio and like handwriting the tag and like packaging and sending them out so we're we're pretty we're pretty limited on how many we can do just because of some we're limited on some of the items mm-hmm. um so it's not going to be like an in an insane thing but it is i'm literally staring at a box with like hundreds of bows in it right now like pre like pre tied gold bows in the studio so it's gonna be an interesting um i think it's gonna be a really interesting little test for us to see because if it works out like i think there's all kinds of combinations and interesting things that could happen around like kits or combos or whatever and so um so yeah, it feels good to be doing something for the holidays that uh, is a little unique for us and is not just like a new product we're like scrambling to get out the door, but like something that already exists and we're kind of just putting it together. So yeah, that uh, that's kind of our big one of our big holiday things coming up, and we'll yeah. See and let happens. me just like go over the uh, just exactly what this is. And so uh, this it, it's not for sale yet. Uh, we're going to be sending an email when we launch it, uh, like in a week or two. So sign up for our newsletter if you want to receive that. Cause we don't, we're like Tom said, we're only making a few and we don't know how quickly it'll sell, but it is a, it's a nice box and it includes uh, a two pack of tote books, a Mark one and 
the walnut pen tray for the Mark One. So it's like a little starter kit. We're calling it like a studio knit studio neat starter kit. So it's got all these things that work together, and it's like a perfect gift to give one because it's someone because it's like you know all the products work together and it's like a good uh price point for a nice gift for someone and then we're all the box itself is nice so you could order that and receive it and you know wrap it yourself or do whatever with it but we also as tom mentioned decided to offer this like add-on gift wrapping uh if you really just want to you know, have it sent directly to the recipient, perhaps, uh, then we can wrap it for you and then put a little tag, a bow and a handwritten tag on it and it'll get sent right to the recipient. So I think this is like a nice thing. I hope people like this and this is like useful for people and it kind of, uh, yeah, I'll be really curious to see how this does because it ties into, I think what we're, about to talk about like going into our um a review of our past holiday pick episodes um but i think uh i like just really like being thoughtful about gift giving and like mm. the idea of mm. giving a gift like i think it's pro- i mean it's honestly probably like one of my love languages if, <laughs> if people know what those are Good to but know. uh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, receiving is, I don't know if that is, but giving is for me. Like, it's something I like to do uh, because I, and so I think this ties into that in that I just like to think about how one might do that. And so this, like, starter kit gift box thing, like, basically, I, I think, like, <laughs> gift giving is like a design problem unto itself. Like there's so many, and and it takes uh, obviously like a a great deal of like empathy when you're considering gift giving. And to me, Mm -hmm. it's like, it it almost feels like the exact same headspace as designing a product. (laughs) And so it's fun. I just enjoy being in that headspace and thinking about that. And so I think we've designed this kit very intentionally with that stuff in mind where it's like, what if you like have never heard of studio need and you want to, and, and you're, but so sorry, like the recipient has never heard of studio need and you're a big studio need fan. And you're like, well, here's this like perfect thing to like introduce them to this like company that I'm really into or whatever. And yeah, there's like a lot that goes into it and, and just the way we're kind of pack, packaging it up and how everything kind of fits into the box. Like it's a fun design problem. And I think uh, people will really appreciate uh, giving and receiving this thing. So I hope it does well, because I think it will be, as Tom mentioned, kind of a fun thing to think about every year. Um, and maybe we'll have some bundles and some kits that kind of just exist in perpetuity, like we kind of sell throughout the year, but I think it'll also be fun to kind of come up with these other combinations that are, we almost treat like the limited edition stuff where it's like, okay, we're going to do this like just for the holidays and then it'll go away. Um, and that makes it a little easier to handle. So we'll Mm. see how it goes. We're kind of considering this as like a trial run to see, uh, to see how it goes this year. And yeah, it's been really fun. Like we got a special like foil stamped, thick black card that goes in it and there's like a special custom tray where everything's all laid out nice so i think the 
the piece of this having to be like it nice, like nicely wrapped, like just like a person would do it if they were going to do a fancy job about writing, wrapping a gift. Like that really put it in a new design problem space for us, I think, and made it fun. Because if it was just like, oh, a kit is just like a bunch of stuff thrown in a bubble mailer, like that's not what this is and like not nearly as fun. So it is like, like Dan was saying, designing for this kind of delight that we want to exist mm-hmm. uh, on the other end of like the person receiving this gift is um is is really interesting and it's also going to be interesting like doing the marketing page for this because it's like a weird like being able to communicate like oh this is actually nice this is wrapped well it's got this kind of materials involved is going to be a little bit of an interesting challenge um which we have yet to do going to be happening very soon (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah it's uh like dan said we'll see what happens i I hope it i hope it goes well i hope we can continue to do fun because if we if this goes well i could see next year us going like a little bit further with the kind of materiality and delight of the thing you know like maybe Mm -hmm. a custom like a different customized box or you know anyway we could just make it really if we knew that it was gonna do, well. do a certain numbers or whatever we could invest more time in like you know making it even super fancy or whatever so yeah I don't know. it'll be it'll be cool considering that this is a product that has a specific time limit to send out and requires a level of individual wrapping i guess mm-hmm. do you yeah. mm-hmm. do, do you are you going to set a limit on how many of these you could sell? Yeah, well, we have yeah. a hard limit because we only have basically we're like supply constrained by the um, by the pin trays, right? So we so yeah, we're kind of like we only have a certain number, and okay. if we sold them all out, it's do, it's doable. It's not okay. going to like kill us. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're mm-hmm. careful about that for sure. Yeah, yeah, because it it sounds like there's a, there's a lot of work going into it, so. Yeah, it, you know, I, I did some te- some wrapping tests, <laughs> and you know, if you're this isn't like wrapping gifts that does take forever. It is literally we are like have wrapping paper and tape and stuff to wrap them up, but the pieces will be cut perfectly, like for the box size, and you know, it it's not like everything will be figured out. So I just think it'll be pretty quick to wrap them, not super crazy, but um, we shall we shall see. <laughs> so speaking of gift guides. We've done gift guides in the past. We do it every two years, so this year's yeah. not the year because we did one last <laughs> year. Uh, but what we, but Dan suggested, I like this, to look back at our previous two years of gift guides, and what is it like? Are we saying do we still recommend them? Yeah, yeah, because the whole premise, the the kind of parameters I put on our picks previously were you have to have owned and used whatever you're recommending for at least a year. Yep. So the implication is like, don't recommend some kind of fad thing. Like it needs to be something that's durable and sturdy and that will provide usefulness for an extended period of time. And so this exercise is reflecting on that. Like, let's look back. Some of these picks now are what, three years old. Like, are we still using them? Like, how do we feel about that recommendation from like a durability uh, and usefulness standpoint? So should we go through and like each do all of them, right? So we've got f- six each, right, in total, because mm-hmm, we've recommended mm-hmm. three items in each, in yeah, each year. Yeah, well, let's just go all at, well, yeah, like just do them all, yeah. each person do all at once, yeah. Okay. okay. 
So shall I start? That's how it's in it. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Start. All right, so I made uh, three. I'll start with my oldest suggestions, I think. So I'll start from the bottom up. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've got the Folsom knife from James Brand. Still recommend that knife. I actually bought a second, so mm. I'm very mm. into it. I got, like, I originally had the green one, uh, and I bought a collaboration between James Brand and Draplin. Uh, and oh, cool. They made an orange black one, which I love. So I now have a second one. Uh, this nice. is known in our house as the fancy knife. Mm-hmm. Because we have like a non fancy <laughs> knife and a fancy knife. This is the fancy knife. The problem with the fancy knife, it's not a problem, it's t- it does what it's supposed to do, but the thing to be careful about with the fancy knife, fancy knife, very sharp. So mm. this has remained a very sharp knife. So, you know, just. Be aware of that is like a thing that occurs in my house and I'll recommend that to you too. It's good because that's what you want from the knife, but the knife, sharp knife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I love it. I love this knife. It's really good. It feels great to use, very comfortable to hold. Um, I love the the kind of like the handle, if you'd call it that. It collapses into itself. Um, It's very good. Bridge keyboard. Now, this one (laughs) is a keyboard for the iPad they also do them for surfaces and other tablet devices, Chromebooks, that kind of stuff. It's a company called Bridge. I would still recommend this if a better product didn't exist, which is the Magic mm. Keyboard. Yeah. Apple have since mm-hmm. made better keyboards. If Apple weren't making those keyboards, I would still recommend this keyboard because it does... The main thing that I like about it is it kind of would turn an iPad into a laptop, essentially. Mm-hmm. But now Apple make a variety of different products now, most notably the Magic Keyboard, which is a better product. It has an integrated trackpad. And Bridge have made a version of their keyboard with a trackpad, which sucks. But when it was just yeah. just a keyboard, <laughs> it was really good. Uh, but this yeah. is the only, I think for me, the only asterisk I have on my list is like there is now something that is better and replaces this. But it's not necessarily something I would have known at the start. Right. Uh, then we have the Sage slash Breville, depending where you are in the world, Barista Express, which is a coffee machine. Uh, I'm still using the Barista Express that we spoke about. Um, when was this? 2019. Three. So I'd had it yeah. for a bit then. I'm still using the same one. Uh, and I love this coffee machine. I think it's great. It's very easy to understand how to use it. It's an espresso machine, uh, but it is you know set up to make milky coffee drinks, lattes, cappuccinos, that kind of stuff. It has uh, an inbuilt uh, steam wand to make textured milk, but it does the whole thing. It has a grinder to grind the beans. Then you you know, you know, you, you put it into the portafilters, tamp it down, put it in, make the espresso. And I continue to use mine every single day. It's used multiple times a day in my house. Oh, wow. uh, I love it. Um, the... For me, I am actually going to uh, some point, maybe within the next year, I'm, we're kind of keeping our eye on Black Friday, upgrade to one of the like the higher-end models of this mm. product. Um, the Barista Express is kind of like the good entry point of it has all the stuff. So like Sage have a large line of things, like a large line of products. Like some of them don't have grinders. Some of them don't have the steam wand. Like, you know, it depends what you what you want and what price point you want to start at. The Barista mm. Express has all of the pieces, um, but they make machines that are better than that one. In, you know, so we're looking at maybe going up 
a level where you can they have like dual boilers is one of them so where you could both the oracle i'm actually we're actually thinking about going for the oracle um which allows a lot more customization um and it has a dual boiler system so you could be uh you can do the 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 milk at whatever time you want to it heats up separately to the Uh heating element for the water for the espresso so it's just a bigger machine more features more bells more whistles um the that but this barista express we will send to sage for servicing and then we will keep it and bring it probably to my studio so like mm, excellent mm-hmm. machine love it haven't had any issues of any kind that couldn't be fixed if just a thorough clean of the machine um yeah it's been rock solid used multiple times a day every day for i've lost track of how many years now like four or five years so love that thing nice uh, Tokyo Tote Pack by Bellroy. It is still the backpack I use every single day. Um, right. It is a part backpack, part tote bag. It's like perfect for commuting, which is what I use it for. You know, I put my laptop in there, a couple of little things that are just in there every day. And then I can add and remove extra stuff I want to bring backwards and forwards from studio to home. Uh, I love that bag. It's a great bag and not been tempted to change it. I've been tempted to change the bag I use for like traveling, like going on a plane kind of traveling, but my commuter bag, my Tokyo tote bag, very happy. Uh, the Angle Poise Type 75 mini desk lamp. Still sitting right there. I love this lamp. <laughs> um, I think I mentioned before, I have one of the Paul Smith models and I just mm-hmm. think it's That's a lovely... Really colorful one, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do, they've done multiple editions, the Paul Smith ones. They do like a new colorway every few years. Um, I love this lamp. I just think it's such a classic design uh, and I really enjoy the colors. Um, big fan. And then Grove Maid's monitor stand. I'm still using it. It's right mm. there in front of me. So not a ton to say about that. I think it's just a nicely made monitor stand. And really yeah. my recommendation then is the same as now is if you have a monitor on the desk, especially if you have one of those studio displays, the Apple release and you don't have the height adjustable one, you should be putting it on a monitor stand because that display is too low to be ergonomically sound. Yeah. 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 I just backed, uh, our friend Jeff at Ugmonk. Uh, oh, he yeah. launched a new the line gather? of desk. Yeah. The gather, like he kind of totally redesigned his whole gather mm-hmm. system. And, uh, I was really drawn to the, uh, to the monitor stand, which is basically just, a slab of powder coated steel with uh with four like walnut legs <laughs> screwed into it uh it looks really nice and uh so i'm excited to get that whenever that comes around and i think i I haven't bought any of the other accessories that go with it yet but uh i'm intrigued by the kind of having the steel there like the magnetic possibilities yeah, like sweet. having a having a pen cup that's like magnetically attached mm. to the stand, I think will feel just mm. really solid, obviously, and mm. kind of like affixed to it. So I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did really well with that. It's beautiful. That, the whole system great. is beautiful. Well designed. Yeah, yeah. Very well designed. So that's my okay. list. Okay. It's me. It's me. Do it. <laughs> the milk, the milk frother. Can um, I just say the words? I need to read this in our document. Tom, <laughs> Power Licks Milk Frother. I don't I remember the name of this. I didn't. Yeah, I don't remember. Because it's an Amazon milk frother. Power Licks. You know, like, I don't, yeah. Bad, Incredible. Bad. Everything, I'll tell you what. 
this recommendation was for the frothing lifestyle, not the product. Okay. Mm, but here's the deal for 10 or $11, you can join the frothing lifestyle. And so I have no confidence. Actually, one is already, it's already burned out once. Like, but it doesn't matter because $10. And I don't think it's worth buying like a, if they exist, like a $50 milk frother because it's just a little thing that spins. But I tell you what, having that, what did you said textured milk before, Mike? <laughs> yeah, that's what it's having some, Yeah, texture, <laughs> having that makes such a difference. And you too can join the lifestyle for 10 bucks on Amazon. So I would still, if you just type milk frother into Amazon, you will see the top results. So you're, you're still frothing? Still frothing. It's definitely a technology that is just, it's better. It's just a good technology. So that's just like a great stocking stuffer right there. 10 bucks. It's great. My next one is Hive, the game. Um, still, I would say probably my favorite game for two people to play. Uh, it's a little, it's kind of like chess, but simpler in a way, a little bit more dynamic, a little less rules, but it's also another inexpensive, very small game. And honestly, for two people, really great, especially with the expansion packs. So Hive is a really great little tile-based game. Um, so I would say, yeah, that's still top of the list. There's a new game that I've been introduced to that is also really great in the same way. And it's called, I think, The Mind. Let me make sure. Yeah, it's called The Mind. And that is actually a really fun, very simple game as well. Great for a little bit more than two people. But yeah, still Hive. Way up there. Top game, for sure. Then, uh, Robot Vacuum, which I'm not sure when we made this list if... It was the robo if it was like the fancy iRobot vacuum or if it's the first robot vacuum that I had, but we are still living that uh robot vacuum and mop lifestyle. And I gotta say, it's still really good. However, this morning I was fighting with the iRobot vacuum a little bit that we've had for at least a year. And it it has you can tell it's starting to show its age a little bit like the door hinge isn't working that great but surprisingly mm. when i called support previously on the same issue like they told me some things to do that fixed it but they're like listen if you have this problem again here's like the specific contact information you just call me again and we'll send you a new door like they're very proactive mm. with the customer I think support so in that episode so i'll put the link in the show notes to the two episodes where you can go and listen to our original picks and find the links to all the stuff we spoke about so i'm not adding all the mm-hmm. links again cuz that feels like it would be messy uh but you, i think you just recommended the idea of a robot vacuum yeah. more than a particular one yeah. yeah, and I so so yeah because we actually went through some some the newest iRobot ones uh, are very different than what they've been in the past. Like they mm-hmm. really do are very smart. Like you can drop it, you can just put it in your house somewhere and say go home, and it just like goes straight home. Mm-hmm. It's kind of shocking. So um, I, I, this is definitely an object that in like ten years every single person will have this in their house, like for sure. <laughs> it's just so good. I have so many kids and dogs and cats. They're leaving mud everywhere all the time. And so we have a little vacuum and a little mopping robot that go out and just like do like. They How much do you, in the context of the kids and animals, like how much do you tidy up 
before you let them run. Like yeah. if there's clothes and shoes everywhere, like that's gonna be a problem, right? Like it's not a it, problem in that gonna they go get around stuck. it and not clean it. Yeah, yeah, they go around, but we do tidy up. But we in general yeah. we're pretty tidy, and then like are kind of really on our kids about keeping things tidy. So yeah, um, yes, but in general they're good. It's not like they that would cause problems. They just like, but honestly, it is. There's all quite a bit of wear and tear, upkeep, maintenance associated with these guys. Like the little brushes and stuff do wear out. Like like yeah. Legos tears up the brushes <laughs> for sure. But it's like worth the trade off because it's it literally. So they it, don't. They suck Legos. They don't go around them. Oh yeah, they'll, they'll suck up a Lego. They'll okay. love it. They love sucking <laughs> up a Lego. Top 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 for them. Yeah. And it's not like it makes it stop. It just like yeah. it like abrades the the little rollers inside. So yeah, but I, I don't. I, yeah. I'm on board. Yeah, I don't. We do. You guys have any Dyson vacuums? Either of yeah. you? Yeah. What do you think of them? I like them. Ours, the battery sucked in like a couple months, and then I bought a replacement Amazon battery that works great. Yeah, I. But my view of Dyson is I want it to be so good. And their marketing and like product photography is such where I'm like, oh, this is like the Apple of vacuums. Mm -hmm. And then I get them and I'm always disappointed. Like they feel so plasticky to me. Like they they feel shockingly cheap to where I've wondered, did I get a counterfeit product (laughs) like on Amazon? Like, is this not actually a Dyson? No, I think that's just what it is. And yeah, they're just not... I, I want them to be amazing and I don't think they're amazing. And we're at, we had a, a, a battery powered, like a, a you know, a, a wand style, uh, cordless one that kind of just crapped out in two ways. One is that like a, the little plastic flange, uh, near where the trigger is like just flat out broke off. And so now there's like a sharp, it's like very uncomfortable to to like hold it. But then the button itself kind of gave out. And so we're just like, "Ah, do we just have to buy another Dyson? Like that's what the wire cutter says is like the best one. I got the solution for you. There's a YouTube channel called vacuum wars. That guy go, you, there is no other source for, of information mm-hmm. for vacuums, as far as I'm concerned. He really and he covers he because co- you had mentioned him in the robot yeah. context, yeah, but he like covers everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, okay. but they just stick vacuums. He does everything. There's okay. just that's the guy on YouTube. Vacuum well, yeah. I've had a Dyson for seven years and have been very happy with it. I haven't had any issues with it. Stick vacuum, yeah. battery yeah, power. One of the stick ones, yeah. Like the V8 you have to or whatever battery? The V8. Yeah. I mean, the battery isn't as good anymore, but it's old now. But like, you we should replace to your battery, replace Mike. It. You can replace it easy, and they're not expensive. Don't get an official one; get a non-official one. No, I'm just saying. I can't, like, okay, fine, I will. But I have, what I'm saying is, I haven't <laughs> needed to. Like, <laughs> well, no, no, no. You just you you have been boiling in a pot of a crappy battery, and you don't know it. If you put a new battery in that thing, your life's gonna change. Yeah. Well, see, but, but I'm so, I get won't. so nervous about like battery technology and explosions yeah you don't need to mm. i don't need to okay it's fine. <laughs> it's fine just have a bucket of sand the around. cells no are all made by samsung like that's all the same company you yeah know, and they're like, the ones they yeah. explode in farms you know what i mean yeah <laughs> okay yeah, on tra- with my list guys yeah we've, we've derailed i got to <clears> do right. mine all in one go but you got immediately mocked to power licks and now we're on a <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh nibex pliers 
German pliers, still awesome, still great. I love them. I still recommend them. K-N-I-P-E-X. If you want a gift for someone that like likes tools, um, Nipex pliers wrench uh, are great. And they're interesting. They're awesome. Uh, Zenny Is that glasses, a set or just like a regular. Ring? You can get it's a you can get a single. They make a big one and a small one, and they also make one with teeth. There's a whole series of them, but just the kind of normal like eight or ten inch size is a great. That's a great tool. It makes you feel fancy. It's mm. awesome. <laughs> uh, Zenny glasses are like really really cheap glasses. Internet glasses like Warby Parker. They are really cheap. The reason I like them is because you can get in the mode where you're playing with your style with your glasses opposed to being like kind of stuck with one pair of glasses for a year because you spend a lot of money on it. And so you can buy glasses for like $30 from these guys and you can't return them. So it is like this kind of gamble. And, but, um, I still, that's where I go because in my mind, I've just, my mind about glasses now is just that they're basically now more of a fashion accessory where I want to be able to change to different, like, colors and shapes and stuff and oh. so i like being able to have that option with z-e-n-n-i rather than like sinking in like 200 bucks on one pair of glasses and kind of getting getting stuck with that so mm. that's why i like them but they're not great like they don't feel quality and they you know yeah. but they're <laughs> they're fine they're fine um instant pot uh i feel like this really old recommendation yeah everyone has yeah, an instant three pot, right i mean everyone has an instant pot feels like yeah. that was the year this, of the Instant Pot. Yeah, this spurred the whole uh, conversation about like when gifts turn into obligations or like burdens oh. or like you're, or you're asking too much of like are you, you're asking to someone to like change who they are, <laughs> you yeah. know, but, then but I don't also, think that's the way. Uh, yeah, it depends. And like uh, and then like poking the bear, as you said last time, is like also an interesting way to approach uh gift giving but like i like just like for as an example when we uh, when my wife and i lived in new york in a tiny apartment and like we got like a bread maker as a wedding gift and it's just like well this thing is huge and it's like are we going to become people that make our own bread now it's like it was a sweet gift i don't want to like look a gift horse in the mouth but it was just like this is actually you're asking quite a lot of us by uh, giving us this thing. So I think that I always just think that's like a useful consideration when, uh, when giving gifts, that's just, that's just me. Yeah. I feel like I see a lot of instant pots going around. We use it quite still a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, but we're very tool kitchen tool heavy. So, yeah, I think I air fryers, think air, air fryers was like the next thing after Instant Pot where like everyone yeah. was getting air fryers. And I'd be curious, like, if those have staying power or not. Yeah, that feels a little not. That feels more fatty. <laughs> yeah. That's me. That's all. You are released. All right, is it Tom. me now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll, yeah, I'll go oldest to newest. Um, the Slimfold Wallet Micro. Still the wallet I'm using. I still love it. Although it is, the material is starting to separate in uh, 
in one place, like where I insert the credit card that I use most often, like sliding it in and out, it started to like split the material apart a little bit. And so I've solved for that by just putting it in a different slot, but it's the first sign in, I think I've had this wallet for probably at least six years, maybe longer. Uh, it's the first sign of deterioration that I've seen. So I'll probably be just buying another one of these. And I think, you know, having this a wallet that's not too expensive last for five, six, seven years, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. But I think it's worth noting that it will it will probably start to fall apart at some point. Um Patagonia Nano Puff Jacket. Very much still recommend that. Still wear it uh when the weather calls for it. Um and also just I mean I don't know all this, all the stuff in the news with, uh, the founder of Patagonia and stuff makes you feel good about supporting that, that brand. I he's suppose he's given all of his, what was it? He's given all of his money. Yeah. He's basically, yeah. Giving his entire net worth like to, uh, to charities fighting climate change. Yeah. And I, I think it was, it was kind of structured in an interesting way. I don't know exactly how it's going down, but he's a real interesting guy. I've been meaning to read his book actually. Uh, like he's an unorthodox, uh, business person and he doesn't really like business or be, or to be considered like a hardcore business capitalist person. So he, you know, he runs his business in, uh, unorthodox ways and there was you know there's like famous like i think the uh you know the do not buy this jacket is a pretty famous ad uh and kind of the history of advertising in terms of using that to explain their philosophy and and how they go about things but yeah so I, I have a, I mean, I have I a would, very quick thing so um yeah yvonne Shonard, I'm doing a terrible job of pronouncing his name, founder of the Apparel brand Patagonia, announced he had voluntarily given away his $3 billion company, placing ownership in a trust and vowing to spend all future profits on environmental causes. A Patagonia spokesperson said the move will generate about $100 million a year for the fight against climate change. Nice. That's the way to well, do it. I like, I like that it. it's control of the company. It's not just like a sum. It's like, here, yeah. you like this yeah that's pretty cool yeah so and i i mean i uh before any of that stuff was announced like i had kind of become a patagonia devotee purely for their repair program uh, like a which I hipster right now, you know what I mean? Like I was yeah. buying Patagonia before. I was cool. into them way before, you know, like <laughs> two, three years ago. <laughs> and so, uh, so I, yeah, that makes me like feel really good about buying their stuff. It's just like, oh, if I'm like a bonehead and accidentally rip this or something, like it's no problem. It's super easy to just have them fix it real mm. quick. So that like gives me a lot of confidence in buying their stuff and knowing that it's going to last for a while. Uh, Kai scissors, uh, very much still recommend. I had two pairs and then I was afraid I lost one. Like I thought it was the classic, like, Oh no, that I accidentally throw it away. Like when I was throwing scrap wrapping paper away or something. So I bought another pair and then found the missing pair. So I have three pairs now. Well, you're going to need them. 
I'm going to need them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All this yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, D- Dan, did you ever get those sharp? Have you ever sharpened one of those? I've sharpened you- them once before. Yeah. And you can have them. Yes, like so. I had them. They offer a sharpening oh, uh, okay. service for a very reasonable price. Uh, it's like seven dollars, including shipping or something. Awesome. Uh, you just send them back to them. They'll sharpen them and send them back. I've only had to do that once because I kind of I was a little too aggressive. I was like <laughs> trying to cut like like a, a piece of carpeting or or like a carpet mat or something. Steel. Like I was I was like, let's see what these things can do. <laughs> Uh, and so they got a little dinged up and I was like, oh, these need to be sharpened. And yeah, it was, so that's again, with kind of with the Patagonia thing, it's like they have a supported program for repairs and sharpening and stuff. So I love that about that. I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you have a professional shop on the scissors, but you'll buy a Dyson battery off Amazon? (laughs) Those are very different things. Not to me, they ain't. (laughs) Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Completely different. Okay. One, so okay, I what I meant was did Dan sharpen them or did did a professional sharpen them? Yeah. So but ouch. Like, well <laughs> yeah, so here's my point. Like I could probably sharpen a pair of scissors like uh, okay. Yeah. But um not to the level of like factory or whatever. And so I, I was just curious. But those are completely different things. So let's say let's say the risk with buying a crappy battery on Amazon is yes, fire is a possibility. End in your life. Um to well, you're not gonna end your life. It's not a bomb. Uh, no, it can't. It's not a bomb. Uh, fire, like fire, or just like not working that great. Whatever, whatever. The the deal is, there's no like skill or craft involved with these batteries. They're all crappy. They're all lowest common denominator. There, it's not like you can buy a high end battery and it works twice as good, twice as long. That's just not. No one makes the cells. So it's just. It's just one company that makes all these battery cells. The only thing that's different is the little electronic controller, which I acknowledge there can be differences for sure, but that doesn't matter. Whereas with like (laughs) getting a knife sharpened properly, it's like, it's the difference that makes the difference. It's like, it's like that edge is the whole knife. Like I actually don't believe in buying really expensive knives anymore at all because I realize actually... It's just the sharpening. It's just like yeah. spend more. Have you on ever sharpening. tried to sharpen a knife, either of you? I have. I've done. Yeah, I'm pretty experienced. I hate and I hate with the whetstone and everything. Yeah, I got yeah. all that, and I tried, and it was one of the worst hours of my life trying to sharpen <laughs> a knife because like I had no idea if anything was actually happening, and I'm the whole time just terrified that I'm destroying my nice knife. Yeah, <laughs> not great. <laughs> Yeah, not great. Well, the I've thing been is, postponing a task in Todoist, which says sharpen knives, for no joke yeah. about six months because I need to sharpen need the to, knives and I don't want to do it. You need yeah. to just do one of those mail-in ones. Just mail it off. You can mail a knife? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get, it. I get Instagram ads about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's called like... The one in the US is called like something like Knife Club or something like that. But yeah, no, there's absolutely a service in the UK. You just sit, they send you a special cardboard case, you send it to the knife, it's cheap. look at this. And it comes back perfect, yeah. Knife sharpening service, free postage across the UK. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do. Sharpen knives by post. Oh, come on. Yeah, you you will be... This is why I talk to you too. You know what I mean? You will cry. You will cry when you use that again for the first time, realizing I mean, how sad your life depends has been. how sharp the knife gets, but yeah, it, could it will cry. get really sharp, but then it will get dull again in like a week. That's the thing. Aww. Here's Aww. the thing, Mike. Let me look. This is what you do. Do you okay. have a honing rod? 
Do okay, I have one? You don't no, have I don't. A honing rod. No, no. Okay, no, no. this is what you do. You get a ceramic honing rod. It's basically just like a, it's like a long club-looking thing that's mm-hmm. ceramic. You get your knife professionally sharpened, and then every time you use it, you just do the ceramic honing thing, which you can look on YouTube how to do it. It's not difficult. That will keep your so knife Gordon sharper Ramsey for longer. Does. But then, huh? Gordon Ramsay, I see him doing this on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like that's what you do yeah. because what that honing is doing is it's not. So when you when your knife is quote getting dull, what's happening is the end of it that's very microscopically thin is just bending over. It's mm-hmm. not. Is literally folding over. When you're doing that honing, it's just straightening it back out. It's not cutting the steel. It's just like smushing that edge back out. So if you do it after every time, it can do that well. But if you don't do it that often or every time, then it just then that keeps folding over, and then you can't like unfold it basically right. or unstraighten it out. So, uh, yeah, get your nice professionally sharpened because. They just have tools that you don't have. Like, if you want to have a grinder and, like, an angle set and all this stuff, then you can do it well. But those whetstones are, it's just not worth it. And my honing tip would be do it after you wash the knife, not before you use it. Because it will, doing it before you use it just feels like this bit of friction, which is like, oh, I need to do this chore, like, before I get to use this knife that I need to use. Whereas if you do it before you just put it away, it feels less arduous and less like a thing that's getting in the way of you using the knife. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great. Now that we solved that. Uh, so we done? I'll just skip. No, I have three more, but I'm I'll so knock sorry. through real quick. So I, I feel like I got it. through mine real quick, but you two, yeah, no, is, there's like interrogation. No. <laughs> uh, so I'll just go to the, the Misen chef's knife was one of my picks. And uh, I think to Tom's point, like this is a relatively inexpensive knife, but it uh, it's just really nice. It's a good deal. It is comes to you quite sharp. And I've I feel like it stays sharp uh pretty it holds its shape pretty well uh i don't even know if i i think i've had this knife sharpened once maybe in the time i've had it but uh i probably am due for another sharpening but yeah still use it every day and uh recommend that's like a good value chef's knife uh the paprika app which i still use all the time kind of a weird gift to give uh like an app to someone but uh sometimes they have like uh black friday sales and stuff and i mean the app store has gifting mechanisms so i suppose it's not that weird but yeah still use that all the time uh and then last is the always pan which we do still use every day it has definitely lost some of its anti-stick yeah which yeah. Mm-hmm. i wonder if that's like vacuums where it's like oh there actually is no perfect vacuum it's like oh there actually is no perfect pan i that don't just... think that there is a way to have a pan that's not going to lose yeah. its, its its anti-sticking i think, it's just I, always think I know happen. what the answer is sadly okay okay what? It's, uh, what's it called? Uh, I want to say Corten steel, but that's not it. It's, um, low carbon steel. Mm. That's what all the pros use. Like if you go into a kitchen, a professional kitchen, it's a well-seasoned low carbon steel pan. And Mm -hmm. sucks about that is you have to take care of it, but that's the way. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to take care of it. 
I know, me neither. I don't either. I use I use what? soap. I use soap and steel wool on my cast iron pan, and I don't care. Like I just what? it's like I don't care uh, because it's easier. It's honestly easier. I love soapy steaks. Use it. No, no, no. I just like it gets clean, but yeah, it's not seasoned, but. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Like, yeah, this is why we ended up giving up. We we bought a cast iron pan. You can't clean them, and mm. we get we just gave it up because it's like this is too much aggravation in our lives. You but gave my, the always pan up? No, not the always pan. The always pan we use not always, but very frequently. Like we got a, okay. a, like a skillet, like a I see, you know, just a, like, like a steel. Yeah, just like a yeah skillet, and 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 we're just like, oh, we're going to use that, and to you know, every, and it's just like, oh, this is too yeah. much of a pain to deal with that yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, the always pan, still use it uh, very, very frequently. Yeah. So what, Tom, like what it, those professional, what'd you say, low carbon steel? steel? Like the what crazy is thing the... about low carbon steel is it rusts. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, what is this doesn't sound good. You've not made this sound good yeah. in any way. <laughs> okay, okay. But it's, so here's the deal. It, if you get a good, so here's the deal. It's light. So it's not like a cast iron skillet where it's like heavy and you can't, mm. You know, mm-hmm. so like a low carbon steel. Like if you look, think about a professional kitchen you've like mm-hmm. seen in your mind. It's almost looks like a wok. Like woks are often low carbon steel where it's very thin steel. Um, it's not shiny. It's like, and then they're just really well seasoned. That's what people I think use. Like that's what the pros so do. So there's a brand that I've seen a lot called Made In. I get ads for this company uh-huh. a lot and they make these. And I'm looking right now at their like guide for taking care of the, they call it, they have blue carbon steel is their thing. It is so involved. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, so what it, is fussy. it? I'm not going to get one, but. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to, there's, they have two methods for, for, for like treating them, seasoning them. One is the oven method and mm-hmm. the other is the stovetop method. But like the oven method is like preheat your oven, wash the pan, dry it completely, apply oil, heat. Well, up it's just the like pan. seasoning a cast iron. Yes, I mean, it's the same process. Pain though, you know. Yeah. It is. It is. I don't want to. Do but that. I mean, you could talk to people who like have a super well seasoned cast iron skillet, and they're like, uh-huh. "Yeah, this is like the best thing in the world." It's just cast iron so heavy. So I think all these like ceramic ones, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, where it's like, mm-hmm. this is light, it's nonstick. But it's quote healthy. But the problem is it's actually silicone. There's like I think silicone is the thing that makes those things work, the ceramic pans. And then it degrades over time with yeah. heat and stuff. And so they, they're not nonstick for forever. And so I think it is truly one of those things where if you want something that works really good for a long time, for forever, you have you have to do the work of like taking care oh, of man. the object and you know. All right. I'm going to look into this and I'll report back. Maybe it'll be in next year's gift guide. Yeah, maybe. Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 89.